So we're continuing our series in the parables, and today what we're going to do is we're going to focus in on money and possessions as we deal with the parable of the rich young fool. So some people get uncomfortable when the topic of money comes up in the church because the churches in general have been accused of caring about money, but the truth is Many people are uncomfortable with the topic of money because they struggle with money. They feel convicted about how they handle money, or they feel insecure about not having much money. And so when the topic of money comes up, it kind of strikes a nerve. So the days of Jesus were obviously not much different. People are people. And in the days of Jesus, Jesus was willing to teach about money and possessions because he knew that money and possessions have the power to kind of capture our hearts and get us off focus. So this parable is sparked on by a question that a man is having. He's having actually a family problem that focuses in around money. And it picks up in Luke, Luke, chapter tw or Luke 12, verse 13. And it says this, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So has something happened to you like that in, in your family? Uh, has there been a money problem in your family? Have you had people in your family argue over money? Have you held a grudge against someone in your family because of a money issue? Have you cut off relationships in your family because of a money issue? Or has an inheritance kind of split your family up for generations? So this man asked Jesus for help because this is obviously a huge issue. Him and his brother were disputing over an inheritance. So basically what's happening here is he's approaching Jesus and asking him for help. But he's not approaching Jesus like you and I approach Jesus as God, right? Praying to Jesus, saying, Lord, help this be figured out. He approaches Jesus and basically makes a demand. He says, tell my brother to split up the inheritance. Tell my brother to split up the inheritance. So Jesus has one, first a surprising answer, then he has a warning, and then he goes right into a parable to kind of help us understand these money issues. So the surprising answer we'll start with. He said to him, but, but Jesus said to him, man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? So now basically what Jesus is saying, who made me your judge? Which now I scratch my head at this statement because obviously Jesus is our judge. But Jesus was actually speaking about not being a judge like the judges of Israel that actually settled to dispute, settled disputes. So Jesus obviously is our ultimate judge, but that's not why this man was actually approaching him. Then Jesus gives this man a warning, and the warning is actually speaking to the heart of the issue. Remember, the man comes up, he says, tell my brother to split up the inheritance. So now he gives them a warning. He gives him a warning and all the people around. He says this, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So now we can apply this two ways. So we can apply this two ways. The first way that most people apply this is do not covet, which means yearn to possess, possess something what other people have. And remember, you're not defined by your stuff, okay? This is a fine way to apply this, okay? Do not covet, and remember, you're not defined by the things that you have. It's a fine way to apply it. It's true. 
And in God's economy, rich people are not better than poor people. People that have more are not more important than people that have less in God's economy. But when we look at the context of this warning, we have to come to a conclusion that the best way to apply this is do not covet what others have because life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. It actually consists of relationships, okay? First, your relationship with God, and next, your relationship with other people. So do not covet what other people have because your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. We have to remember, your life consists of what? Relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. Now remember, think back. This guy comes to Jesus and he says, settle this dispute between me and my brother. Now, we don't know all the details of why it has come to this with these two brothers, but I can only imagine it's a volatile situation. If any of you have ever been in a situation like this, it's a volatile situation. There's a lot of hate going on. There's a lot of slandering going on. There's a lot of arguing going on. So Jesus is getting to the heart of the issue and basically saying, isn't your relationship with your brother more important than money and stuff? Isn't your relationship with your brother more important than money and stuff? You're at odds with your brother over this. In fact, you are at odds in a human, when you're in, at odds in a human relationship, guess what other relationship that impacts? It impacts your relationship with God. When you're at odds with somebody in a human relationship, it will impact your relationship with God. So this is where Jesus goes into the parable. This is where Jesus tells the parable. So picking up in verse 16, it says, He told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Well, here's a good problem to have, right? I have too much stuff. What should I do with all my money? What should I do with all my stuff? Well, this guy decided I'm going to tear down my old barns, build bigger ones to hold all my stuff, sit back, relax. Notice it says for years, for years. Some of you are like, that sounds kind of nice, right? Right? And some of you are like, must be nice, right? Okay, you look at this guy and say, Wow, what an opportunity to just relax. Let's break this down before we move on. First, it says this, the land of the rich man produced plentifully. I believe that Jesus chose those words very specifically because it's an indication of that it wasn't necessarily this man's hard work that got him this great crop. It was actually the land produced plentifully. It was a good year, it was a good crop year, and that good crop year was a gift of God. This man was experiencing a blessing from God, like in James 1.17 where it says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Nowhere do we see this man give thanks to God, give credit to God, or pay any attention to God. What does he say? Great, I got a lot of stuff. 
Look at this amazing crop that I have. Doesn't say, praise the Lord for this crop. Thank the Lord for this crop. The Lord bless me for this crop. None of that is found in this parable. <clears throat> so next it says, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. So he had a problem. What should I do with the extra crops? What should I do with my overabundance, the extra crops? Now, I want to make sure you understand, before we move on, I want to make sure you understand that God is not against saving for the future, but he does challenge the heart motive of what this man is doing and why. Okay? He's not against saving for the future. Don't leave here thinking, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to save money. I guess I'm not supposed to invest for retirement. Don't come away with that, okay? Don't come away with that. He's challenging the heart motive of this man. So here's what he does, this man. He takes more resources, right, to build bigger and better to store those extra resources. Think about that for a second. At first, we just think, oh, he wants to keep all that he has. He takes more resources to build bigger to store more. Think about the resources involved in this decision. which may not be the wrong thing to do, but it becomes the wrong thing because listen to what the man's heart motive is. This is the man's heart motive. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have an ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So his whole motivation was selfishness. This man's attitude was selfishness. Remember, God is not against rest. He's not against relaxation or vacation. But this selfish attitude that says, I'm going to hoard these resources and use them only for my personal benefit for years to come is not what God desires. Is not what God desires. So this type of heart motive can cause us to fall into many different sins. Listen to what James tells believers, and he writes in James 4, 2 through 3, it says, You desire, but do not have. So you murder, you covet, and, can, and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your pleasures. I want to focus in on that last line, to spend it on your own pleasures, because I think that's the heart of what Jesus is getting to in this parable. This man sat back and said, this is all for me. See, focusing too much on money and possessions can turn us into hedonistic people, which simply means your life's focus is on personal pleasures. Okay, your life's focus is on, so now when you get up in the morning, you just look, what can I do to make myself feel good, so I can have fun, so I can be comfortable. I don't want to do anything that's difficult or anything that benefits anybody else around me. I just want to bask in everything I have. It's hedonism. So back to this man that asked Jesus to settle the dispute over, over the inheritance with his brother. His focus was to get the money from the brother and I would, I would suggest, based upon Jesus' response to the man using this parable, there was a deep heart issue going on. And Jesus obviously has the benefit of knowing the man's heart. But he realized 
Jesus realized with this man, it was all about money, and the money was going to be used for his own pleasure. So much so that he was willing to battle with his brother and ruin that relationship. So let's say this man gets the money. Let's say this man that walked up to Jesus actually gets the money. What happens? What happens next? He battles with his brother. His brother gives him the money or he gets the money somehow from his brother. Look at how Jesus ends this parable. Verse 20. He said, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So you fought with your brother. You got what you wanted. And that night you die. You fought with your brother. You got what you wanted. That night you die. What's the answer to the question? Whose will the resources be? Well, I mean, traditionally, right? Next of kin. So for all we know, this guy didn't have any kids or a wife or anything like that. Guess where they land? Right? His brother. Okay? His brother. So now he damaged that relationship. Jesus is calling this man a fool. He's saying this is what foolish people get caught up in. The fact that they're foolish is they're living their life and they're focusing in on possessions of this world. And guess what? In the wake of that focus, they're harming all the relationships that they have. You might know some people like this. Maybe this is you. Maybe you've harmed relationships with people that you have just over money. Maybe your family's blown up right now because of this issue. Well, the way we combat that is what Jesus, is t- what Jesus teaches in the next, next statement. He says this, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So this statement, so is the one, meaning foolish is the one that focuses their life on earthly treasure and has no regard for God and his kingdom. Foolish is the one who just spends time on earthly wealth and possessions, but does not give any regard to God and his kingdom. Jesus is saying, don't you see? You focused on something that you thought was so important, but as it turns out, it's not that important. As it turns out, it's not that important. So that's the end of the parable, right? But really, it's not the end of the teaching because now the disciples that have been following Jesus around are probably thinking, well, so what's the deal? Are we like supposed to have nothing? Should we not spend any time focusing on possessions of this world? Because it's a difficult teaching, right? How are we supposed to take care of ourselves and provide for the needs of our family without these possessions? So knowing that this parable would open the floodgate of questions for the disciples, for those around, and obviously for generations and generations to come like us, what do we make of this? So Jesus starts off right after the parable, picking up in verse 22. He says this, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, excuse me, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So first, there's much more to life 
than money and possessions. That's what Jesus is saying. There's much more to life than money and possessions. Don't be anxious about those things. Then he says this in verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. So now Jesus is telling us, listen, you're wasting your life if you're constantly focused on how I can get more. If you're constantly focused on these material possessions. He, Jesus knows that our natural tendency is to think about ourselves and what we need. He's saying, you know what? I want to change that thinking. I want you to look towards me and not be so caught up in those things. And most people think, oh, this is just for rich people because they have too much stuff and, and they should give more stuff away. And this, no, no, this is for any socioeconomic stage, right? Because we know a lot of poor people, people that don't have that much, that all they think about is how they can get more. All they can think about is how they need what other people have because they're not happy now in their poverty. But here's the truth. Jesus is saying, you need to focus in on me. So he goes on in verse 29. And he says, and do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. So here's what he's saying. Listen, God the father knows your needs. What you need to focus in on is his kingdom, his righteousness, on a relationship with him and the work of his kingdom. The things of the world are necessary things, and you will need them, and God will provide those things for you. But this is how we are to live. We're to trust God, take care of the things that, trust God to take care of the things we need. This means we, it's, this does not mean we don't go to work. This does not mean we don't save. This does not mean we don't buy things. This means we don't get so overly concerned about the things of this world. We need to trust him. You know what? You trusted Jesus for something much more important than, than money. Do you realize that? When you trusted Jesus for your salvation, when you trusted that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that Jesus rose to pay, that Jesus died to pay the price for your sins, Jesus rose to prove that he was God, to show you he can pay the price for your sins, and you trusted the fact that Jesus said, if you trust me, you will have eternal life. Isn't that way more important than this issue? I mean, wouldn't you think, being you trusted Jesus for that, and then all of a sudden you live as if you don't trust him, to provide for your needs. This sounds like a crazy way to live, right? Trusting God to provide for our needs. In fact, for some, it sounds scary, and Jesus knew that. He says this in verse 32. It continues to go on. He says, Fear not, little flock, 
for it is your own father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So God is happy about giving you salvation, the kingdom. Then he says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. So now what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you really want to live, don't focus your attention on the things of this world. Focus your attention on my kingdom. That's kind of a scary way to live. But you know what's scarier? I'll tell you. Living life that ignores spiritual things and only focuses on physical possessions. That's much more scary. Because guess what? When you ignore God and the spiritual things and you focus in on the worldly things, yeah, you might look great for the world, but when you stand before God, you have no relationship with him. So is it wrong to have possessions? No. But it can be wrong if those things consume your life and stand in the way of your relationship with God. Is it wrong to have possessions? No. But it can be wrong if you neglect spiritual things in order to focus on material things. Is it wrong to have possessions? No. But it can be wrong if you're not generous with the blessings that you have. Is it wrong to have possessions? No. But it can be wrong if those things cause relational issues with your family and friends. And it can be wrong if your heart is in the wrong place. Because Jesus ends this whole entire passage by saying, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also.